Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, the podcast where we talk about everything that's going on inside and outside the world of art house and independent cinema, specifically at the Michigan and State Theater. My name is Nick Alderink. I uh, am the programming and media coordinator for the Michigan State Theater. I we are at the downtown Ann Arbor, uh, the downtown branch of the Ann Arbor District Library, and I'm joined by two people who also work at the Michigan State Theater. Please introduce yourselves and tell us what you do. I am Ariel Wan. I'm the marketing and programming coordinator at the Michigan and State. This is also my first podcast back since uh, being on maternity leave. Oh, yeah. And you said coordinator. You were the director, I believe. I never say my title correctly. <laughs> I am a coordinator. You are the director. I do stuff, and I tell people to do stuff. So in your Twitter bio, you have a lot of, a lot yeah. of words in there. My, my business card runs off of the edge. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. And that other voice is uh, is our other guest. My name is Nadim Persico Shamas, and I am one of the general managers at the State Theater. Yes, it is. Uh, it is our pleasure to be back in your ears again. It has been a while for all of us being on the the podcast again. But we've been busy. But we have been very busy. Yes. Uh, specifically, uh, something that happened uh, at the time of this recording. It happened last night, last uh, Thursday. Uh, we had our direct from Sundance. Uh, screening of The Biggest Little Farm. And this is also for us the kickoff, really, for our Cinetopia season. Yeah. Cinetopia. The Cinetopia Film Festival, the dates of uh, this year are May 10th through the 19th. And we are hard at work programming that. But b- before we start getting into our programming process, we have uh, we have some information to give on Cinetopia. So uh, the passes went on sale last night. Do you want to talk about those, Ariel? Yeah. So we have more pass options for this season. Uh, in previous years, we've only had two options, well, three options. We had a student pass, an all-movie pass that gets you into movies, and then a festival pass, which kind of gets you into everything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we listened to feedback year after year, and, you know, a lot of people wanted more choices to fest. We're turning that into a verb. And um, so this year we're doing, um, we're still doing a student pass, which is an amazing $50 that gets you into all the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is $50 from now until the festival starts. Um, And we're introducing um, weekend passes. So there's Mm -hmm. a first weekend pass uh, for the first Friday through Sunday movies. It also includes the opening night party, which is usually a really big party because it kind of kicks it off and it's prior to our opening night movie. And then we also have a second weekend pass, which is the second Friday through Sunday movies. And that also includes the closing night party. And we usually close somewhere in Detroit. Mm Um, and we're still keeping the all movie pass, um, and that's just all movies. And then uh, we have a festival pass, which is all movies and all parties. And yesterday, when we were selling them at the Biggest Little Farm, I had someone ask me what all the parties were because that was mm-hmm. very important to know. Mm-hmm. And I told them at this time there are at least four major parties. So opening, closing, and yep. what are the other two? The symposium party. Oh, yes. And then the Detroit Voices party. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, which is our short film competition. So mm-hmm. after we screen the films, announce the winners, there's a nice big party mm-hmm. for that. And then our last most coveted pass is the VIP pass, <laughs> which is all movies, all the parties, filmmaker lounge, concessions, 
and uh, extreme line priority because <laughs> our passes technically <laughs> have line priority. yeah our passes give you line priority over ticket buyers mm-hmm. uh, but within the passes you get line priority okay yeah. okay so yeah all, and we have to say all the, at least and in our opinion, in our professional opinion, especially looking at uh, the f- the festival passes for uh, or for uh, for other festivals, uh-huh. these are a deal and a steal. Yes, um, early bird uh, prices last until um, March fifteenth, uh, and you know students are fifty dollars, which is crazy, crazy cheap. Um, but our VIP goes up to two hundred and fifty dollars, which is still ridiculously cheap yeah yeah we uh we did um like analysis on our passes and our past prices to make sure the value is accurate and that mm-hmm. we're not losing money on it mm-hmm. and 250 is still very generous yeah. so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean how much was sundance it's like 800 dollars. yeah 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 800 bucks that's that's awesome yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day we'll get there but not right now <laughs> yeah um, yeah, so the, the passes are on sale. You can buy them at cinetopiafestival.org. Yes. Check out the website. And then uh, uh, that is where we'll have all our uh, all our updates coming up uh, through May. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no tapping the table. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about, about the, uh, the Biggest Little Farm last night. Uh, yeah. I saw that film at Sundance two weeks ago. Uh, as uh, we do this program every year, uh, we go to Sundance uh, the the last week of January. We pick a film, we bring it back to Ann Arbor, and we screen it to the Ann Arbor audience. Right. Uh, and this was a f- biggest little farm with something I saw with Russ a couple weeks ago uh, at eight forty five in the morning. Um, <laughs> and it's joyous. Oh, it is. It, I mean, it was it was such a. A bright way to start to start the to start. Mm-hmm. Start oh no, the I mean sitting with Russ. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that that, that, that was pretty good too. Uh, the, it, I just remember sitting as the movie is very touching. It's uh, it, it goes you th- it brings you through a whole roller coaster of emotions. I just remember sitting in the in in the audience and I was just like, oh, I'm going to cry in front of Russ. Russ is going to see me cry. <laughs> Don't let Russ see you cry. I mean, I, I, I I'm not a monster, of course. I I, I, let, I let myself shed a tear. I didn't let that stop me. But what was your experience? Uh, you you saw the movie last night, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I watched it last night, and I watched it with some coworkers. And one of our coworkers who's been on this podcast before, Sarah, <laughs> she's a very emotional person. Mm. A lovely but emotional person. <laughs> and uh, I'm just looking at her, and she's just like a mess. She's mm-hmm. just crying. Because the documentary goes through this um, this couple's journey of um, starting their own farm. They're like idealistic farm where mm-hmm. everything is, um, you know, in parallel with nature. And so anything that they grow, if there's any problems, they just bring in other kinds of nature to yeah. kind of solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, to use an example, what that really means is like they, they of course, they, they, grow, they grow fruit. Mm-hmm. And then their fruit gets so immensely lush and right. healthy and then of course that brings in snails right so a- a- every 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 good thing that comes with the comes with the farm every success that they have comes this new problem right it's like uh I'll then of um 
like with the, the but then the, they have the snails and then they find a way to get rid of the snails and it right. creates a new problem right so the this like, like I said the movie runs you through this whole roller coasters of emotions where you're happy and then you're really sad right and then the movie ties I'm, I don't want to really want to talk about exactly what happens in the film or the reasons that you get a happy or sad throughout the film but the movie ties this little nice bow around it at the end where mm-hmm. they 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 create uh, this uh, this thesis about life and death and how the world that we live in is this you know this we live in this symbiosis right and then with 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 every with every yeah with every success there comes a failure and you can't have life without these without this Mm -hmm. balance yeah they kept calling it a flywheel yeah um how the farm worked and it was actually it was very it was it, it hit really close to home for me because I, uh, on a much smaller scale, like I own chickens Mm. and my chickens were killed by a fox. And so when my chickens died, I was so upset. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I can't even get mad at the fox because he's just a fox. That's what he does. Um, So there's a lot of that kind of feelings and learnings Mm -hmm. in the documentary. Um, But also they, you know, talked a little bit about you know, the soil, and they mm-hmm. talked a little bit about composting. Now, they didn't go into the specifics of composting, but mm-hmm. I took a master composting class, so I kind of understood why they were doing it, and they didn't mm-hmm. really explain it, which is great because composting is kind of boring <laughs> to learn about, but it's you, it's amazing how important it is. Mm-hmm. And they kept talking about cover crops mm-hmm. and how that was really important to them. They don't go into why it's important, which I think it detracts from the documentary because yeah. then it kind of turns more into science than Mm-hmm. a narrative about their experiences. Um, but it's just such a fascinating documentary. And I think, you know, everyone would love watching it, whether it's just, you know, to see the animals mm-hmm. or it's to learn about their story mm-hmm. or it's because they really care about sustainable living and farming mm-hmm. practices. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there was a huge crowd. Yeah, that close, came out to, last close night. to 900 people, I think it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I walked up, Russ and I kind of, uh, we did some talking on the stage afterwards and you hear sniffling throughout the crowd yeah. at, at the very end of the movie. It was really, it was a really nice, uh, nice event. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad all the, everyone who came out do it seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and the film uh, uh, that is, uh, it was d- uh, distributed by Neon. That's who we worked with uh, to get the film. And that is being uh, released in April. And we don't. I mean, obviously, we don't have a date for it. We, we right. don't have anything confirmed yet. But I mean, if if, if you missed it, I think the, you'll definitely have a chance to see it again sometime soon. Whether yep. it's with us or whether or whether something around here plays it, but uh, right. definitely check out the Biggest Little Farm mm-hmm. uh, by April. So let's talk a little bit about Cinetopia. Um, we, t- we said the dates, May 10th through 19th, and now really we're going to let, let you as the listener into really the process that goes into programming a film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are looking at about, uh, typically for Cinetopia, we run about 45 to 50 films. Uh, and right now what we're doing is um, we're watching what they call screeners. Now screeners, uh, the... the, the <coughs> Screeners is an old term. It used to be the distributors would actually send out DVDs or, v- or VHS tapes uh, as t- for um, 
or movies that they want to screen at festivals. Yeah, yeah. So, and the, 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 we, but now they send us video links, usually through Vimeo. They send us links uh, and uh, links and a password. And we're really, uh, we're, we're, we're divvying out screeners uh, uh, every week and we're each watching them. And every week we meet up again to talk about what we've seen and what we think we, that we, we should bring to the festival. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's also what we are doing at, what we're doing at Sundance. Russ McKenzie and I went to Sundance and we saw films that we would consider to bring to Cinetopia. Right, it's not economical to go to film festivals and to watch films. Yeah. So the best way to do it is to get screeners links. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And watch it from the comfort of your own home. Now, how does that conversation work with the distributors? Are there films that you specifically want to request from them? Are there films that they want to push on us? Is it a it's a little bit both? of both. Yeah. It's a little bit of both. I, I, I've had maybe like there's like really three types of conversations that I've been that I've been having when I talk to to a distributor. Either mm-hmm. I go to a, I go to someone who we've worked with in the past that we, that we worked with last year, and, and I, I, I I I could just say like, not knowing what they have available, I just I just say, hey, Cinetopia is coming up. What do you got for me? And then mm-hmm. they'll they'll just send like entire list of like, hey, I think the, all these movies would be really great for your festival. I'm like perfect. Or I or Especially if there's like something that we saw at Sundance or or uh, or at other other festivals that we want our colleagues to watch, I'll just I, I'll say, um, I saw this at the at a festival. I really I really enjoyed it, but I want my colleagues to see it. And uh, so, could you send me a, a screener for that? That's how it works. Or they get in touch with us. Just be, they they they, right. they they send mass emails like this for your consideration. Watch this. I see. Yeah. And yeah. are they are they very precious with some movies over others? Some of them, yeah. Um, especially uh, uh, depending on how wide it's going to be released, um, they're going to be. Uh, they'll either they'll. I mean, yeah. Some of them, they just they like they just want you like you want this film. You don't like just they they don't really want you to right. to second guess. Like they're not going like, to give you a screener for the Aretha Franklin documentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just because it's just... people want to see it. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. It's gotten such great reviews from the one time it was screened mm-hmm. that you know there's no reason for them yeah, to so sell it, it to you because yeah, they already know you want it. it. it yeah, it, it it depends on how on how on how wide they want it to be released. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's a movie that they want you to play as a run, uh, they might be a little bit more precious of it. Or if it's a, or if they're aware, like this is a smaller film. This is for a festival. This is not mm-hmm. a film that you're going to play for two weeks. Then they'll uh, then they're a little bit more open with it, or or sometimes they'll, they'll send a, a screener and they'll say this can only be watched once. Yeah. So yeah, there's varying right. degrees of secrecy that go into uh, the sending of screener links. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, last year we showed Love Gilda mm-hmm. on the last day. It was our closing night film, and that was one of the films that we could only show once, and mm-hmm. we actually ended up doing a second screening with their approval, just because of mm-hmm. the overwhelming. Yeah. Um, uh, amount of people that want to see it. Um, but that one was, you know, no one could write a review about it. No one could publish anything about it because they were doing a wide release in September. Mm-hmm. So any press that we had, they they were not allowed to talk about it. They couldn't write anything until 
September 21st. Mm-hmm. Did we have to make audience members sign NDAs or anything like that? I don't think so. I don't I mean, think so. We didn't do that. No, we didn't do that. And I don't think that would ever be, uh, it's kind of an absurd uh, request for an right, audience. Right, But, but uh, there were probably, I think there might have been signs like no phones, no yeah, recordings. Yeah, okay. kind of like what, what you do for what we do for promo screenings at the sure. Michigan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I, I always get a lot of emails, you know, with um, here are some screener links for these films that are coming up. And my the majority of movies that I get emails for are actually foreign language films. Sure. Um, and I actually appreciate those because there are some that you just you just really wouldn't really know about. Oh, absolutely. Because, um, you know, you there's a finite amount of time even when you go to a film festival to see films in person and mm-hmm. you might not choose this, like, obscure foreign language film that may or may not be good, but you don't really know. Sure. Um, so those are, we really appreciate that because Cinetopia, we program a lot of international films. It's about half, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we work with a lot of really great uh, international institutes and centers of from the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, some of them recommend films to us. And then some of them are like, can you just find some films that are, you know, one of them might be more modern. One mm-hmm. of them's more artistic. Um, and we kind of hunt them down for them. So mm-hmm. having these emails from, you know, distributors or, you know, even filmmakers themselves, they're like, hey, there's this really great film from North Africa, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, oh, this is, this is really good. And then mm-hmm. we'll watch those screeners. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're talking about screeners, let's talk about some things that we've, uh, like, on stage uh, yesterday, Russ and I kind of talked about uh, stuff we saw at Sundance and stuff that we're excited to bring to Cinetopia. So let's bring that kind of a that conversation to the table. Let's talk about stuff that you've seen. Like I said, nothing is booked or confirmed yet, but we definitely have our favorite titles of, mm-hmm. of films that we watched. What what what's something that you've seen that uh, that you've been particularly excited about? Well, as Ariel was saying, uh, I am glad that we have had the chance to see so many foreign films mm-hmm. because it's so hard to market a foreign film to an American audience. And so I don't really hear about a lot of the titles that I've seen so far, but. Uh, this past week I've seen three movies that I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. and they're all from foreign countries and I never ever would have heard of them if, if not for mm-hmm. uh, getting sent these screeners. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ariel was chastising Nadim for more <laughs> tapping on the table. Yes. Um, the movies I've seen that I've really enjoyed, uh, one was from Sweden, one was from Spain, mm-hmm. um, one was from... Was it Egypt. No, not Egypt. Maybe that was it. Well, one from one from Spain. One Kazakhstan. From no, that was that was someone that was else. One. That was, there were a lot one. of really good foreign <laughs> films. Uh, but the the one I'm thinking of is called Amateurs. Yeah, it's a Swedish comedy, uh, kind of in the style of uh, like a mockumentary, but not not too much. But it centers on two amateur videographers who are trying to get a commercial made to advertise their small Swedish town, which has landed the chance to build a German low-cost supermarket chain there. Uh, And so the town council is trying to get everyone in on making a commercial for the town to (laughs) advertise its its wonderful business practices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these two young girls uh, have very different ideas of the kind of things they want to show. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really sweet and genuine mm-hmm. and feels very true. Uh, and it um, seems to feature a lot of, like, uh, non-actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's incredibly enjoyable and really well made. And it's the kind of movie that I never would have 
you know heard yeah. of or given a mm-hmm. chance mm-hmm. if not for this festival mm-hmm. I, th- I i haven't i haven't watched that one yet but I, your description of it makes me excited and happy because seeing something when you, when you attend a, a festival sometimes seeing something cheery and happy mm-hmm. is a rarity yeah and uh, it, that's what uh, that's what definitely that one sticks out in my head that i'm i'm really hoping that i'm really hoping we're able to we're able to confirm and book that one because you know, like you watch five movies a day, sometimes at a mm-hmm. festival, and you can be you can be really brought down by the sure. end of that day. Uh, for me, uh, I, uh, speaking of depressing titles, one that I watched was called actually played at Sundance, but I, uh, none of us were able to see it. One was called Midnight Traveler, and this is a documentary about an a, an, uh, an Afghani uh, couple. Um, they're filmmakers, and they are put on the basically the, the the Taliban ends up calling for their death in Afghanistan. So this is a documentary where the, the there's a, they have three cell phones and they're filming their journey as they're as they leave Afghanistan and I think that they 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 journey to the to I don't remember exactly what the destination is, but they're on their way to Europe. And uh, they make stops in Bulgaria and they and it's really so you're watching this harrowing journey for these people. As they as they enter different countries and they face different levels of discrimination and prejudice, mm. um, it was just such a really powerful film to watch. And as I'm watching it, I realized, like to me, the the biggest note that I that I took away from it is that how similar, you know, like uh, the human race is through different cultures. Like that was my biggest takeaway. Like we are all. Uh, we are all the same in both in our virtues and in our prejudices uh, because I, you, you see the, the, this couple is traveling with their children and their children are acting like children. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, I mean, it's, it, it, the, the, they have this, this really adorable daughter that they're traveling with and she's, I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure that they're filming the, the best moments but the, the daughter just seems to be so extremely happy, and she's such she's a playful, adorable little girl. And you're seeing the 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 the, the couple interact with each other, and they, this is such a an awful journey that they're on. But they're able to laugh and joke with each other. You mm. see some really light moments between the two. There's some really awful dark moments as well, and that's where I where I get to. You know, that as they enter like Bulgaria, there's where they they were receiving. They're entering a culture that seemed like so xenophobic, and and um, and they, they they enter in this level of hatred, and to me it's just that this story could have been of a couple uh, trying to get out of Mexico into into the United States, and it would have been the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just, it felt like a very timely, it was a well-spoken documentary. And that's mm-hmm. one that I've, that I've seen recently that I really enjoyed. Nice. I watched it this week. Have you seen it? Have you been watching anything? What, what have Ugh. you been watching, Ariel? I've been watching my kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have not had any time to watch screeners. Mm-hmm. I would really like to. Mm-hmm. I might, you know, I might do one tonight. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Once my kid goes to bed, my husband's not mm. going to be home tonight, so I'll watch. Cinetopia is definitely a labor of love for yes. a lot of us. Yeah. It is uh, we we've it's uh, we're around <laughs> around the clock working on this festival. Yeah, it yeah. sounds and like it sounds like a vacation to just be watching, you know, four or five movies every week. Right. Yeah. But 
No, that's, it's, uh, that's a real commitment. Uh, it's a real, it's a real commitment. commitment. And and you know, it is our it is our second hat that we wear. Yeah. So you know, in the yeah. beginning, we did introductions. It's like let's do introductions for Cinetopia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, yeah. my name is Ariel Wan. I'm the co-director of Cinetopia this year. Yes. Um, and in, and also in charge of marketing and also helping out with programming. Yeah. And, you know, we had two programming meetings today. One was for the Michigan and the state, <laughs> and then the other one was for Cinetopia. Yeah. So it's, yeah, around this time it gets really crazy, and it'll continue being crazy until it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am keeping an eye on um, foreign language films, Um Right now, I've been doing a lot of research for um, East Asian films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good films coming from China or about China or, or about Chinese Americans. And I'm really excited. Um, you know, I've heard some buzz about The Farewell, which was at Sundance, mm-hmm. and you saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquafina's in it. Yes. And... Um, Russ saw a documentary called One Child Nation, mm-hmm. which I jokingly told him that if we can't find anyone to come talk about the film, <laughs> I can talk about it because I was born in China as the one child. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of good films that are being released and distributed, um, some of them probably on a much bigger scale than Cinetopia. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of them was Shadow, which is a Zhang Mo film, and that could get a wide release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an Ip Man Legacy with Michelle Yeoh is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that could also be a wide release. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are some smaller ones like Ashes the Purest White looked really interesting. It's mm-hmm. about um, gangsters. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some other, um, An Elephant Sitting Still looks beautiful, but it's like a three and a half hour movie. I don't know if, oh, yeah, I don't know if anyone could commit that, to that. That's a, that's a lot to ask for at a festival. Yes. Like, a festival is like, like 90, 80 to 90 minutes is just perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is the title true? It's just an elephant sitting still for three and a half hours. Just watching the elephant, yeah. <clears throat> that sounds oh, kind of meditative. Yeah. I mean, the it's very serene. It's cinematog- cinematography is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it's just it, it's about a journey of, of different people that hear about this that there's this like folklore that there's an elephant sitting still somewhere, mm-hmm. um, but it's a, it's a beautiful film. The director of the film was only I think he was 29 or 26. Wow. He was very young. Directed this film, mm-hmm. and then um, he committed suicide when Ew. the film was finished. Mm, okay. So, mm. but the, it was his one and only film. And it was beautiful. Okay. Um, so yeah, keep a lookout for Cinetopia. We're going to have a lot of news coming at you really fast in mm-hmm. the next, in the next few months. So again, cinetopiafestival.org. That's where you keep up with it, keep up with it. And of course our social media, Cinetopia, the Cinetopia Film Festival on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram now. Finally, Great. finally got on that, that Instagram for Cinetopia. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think, uh, next week I'm going to try to get, um, couple people and uh, to get uh, to talk, really take a deep dive into the Sundance films that we saw. Uh, so keep a lookout on your podcast feed uh, for, for more discussions about that. Um, and actually, as I, as I say that, I'm just reminded we're just, it's about, just about the one year anniversary of this podcast. Oh, well, great. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I remember our first episode was about Sundance last year. It mm. was, uh, uh, Brian, Caitlin, McKenzie and I yeah. talking about the films we saw at Sundance. So it'd be a nice, uh, uh, anniversary, a nice podcast. anniversary, a nice anniversary episode coming up. 
Um, so before we wrap things up here, we're going to get to uh, how we always end our episodes about uh, our movie magic moments of the week. And this is something uh, we talk about, something that we've seen recently uh, that reminded us why we love movies and something that we can re- recommend to you, the listener. I think I'm putting uh, putting you both on the spot here. <laughs> but uh, Nadim, what do you got? Do you got anything? Yeah. Uh, something that we haven't discussed yet. And that, that something might... we haven't discussed? Yeah. Well, uh, I can only speak about one 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 movie really comes to mind. Uh, I saw it last month, actually. But okay. We, we've been away yeah, for a little while. Yeah. Uh, the movie is called Dragon Ball Super Broly. <laughs> I saw your letterboxed, your letterbox review of uh, that. Yeah. Now, I am not a Dragon Ball fan by any means. I've seen maybe a handful of episodes. Uh-huh. Um, but going into that movie cold was actually a really good idea because mm-hmm. there's a lot of backstory. I don't know if, how how you guys feel about Dragon Ball. Do you know anything I know about it? You know about nothing it. about it? Yeah. I don't care for it's it. A, it's <laughs> a, you know, it's a very long-running uh, manga, anime series in Japan, uh-huh. uh, but it's really all about the art of the good fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first maybe 20 minutes of this movie is all backstory, which is very beneficial for someone like me. Mm-hmm. And then the last 40 minutes of the movie is just a very long fight scene set in like Antarctica, but they blow up the polar caps and it turns into a lava world. And then they like <laughs> literally break the dimension that we're in and they start fighting. And it's, it's the kind of movie where creativity is really unleashed. The artists are given free reign to do what they want when they want it. And it's, it was really nice to see on a big screen mm-hmm. and uh, to see the kind of talent that still exists today. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not in service of some grand message, uh, it's, it's really more of like a showcase kind of movie. Okay. I really appreciated that. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> especially this? especially uh, seeing it in a crowded theater full of very obvious Dragon oh. Ball super fans. <laughs> Where would you see it? I saw it. Well, I saw it at a, a Cinemark. Okay, the big Cinemark. Uh, it was a late night show, uh-huh. and there were tons of people shouting at the screen, <laughs> shouting the characters' names. People got really into it, and I couldn't help but getting caught up into it too. Okay. Get, is, is, is that a newer one? Is that a new movie? It's a new movie. Oh, it's okay. like it's. I think I was told it's the seventeenth Dragon Ball movie. Wow. Made. <laughs> it's called Dragon Ball Super, which is a new series, uh-huh. and then colon Broly, which is the name of one oh. of the characters. Okay. <laughs> the, peop, the people listening know what I'm talking about. They're all <laughs> okay. Dragon Ball fans. They know. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Nadim. Uh, Ariel, I, I, what, what about you? What have you? What have you got? I'm trying to think what movie I've seen recently mm-hmm. in the vast amount of time I do not have. Oh. And um, the last time I saw movies was actually on the plane to Utah and then oh. on the plane back from Utah. Yeah, what'd you watch? And my my guilty pleasure when I do that is I watch terrible movies. Well, yeah. not terrible movies, but I watch movies that the Michigan State would not play. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, so the movie I watched on the plane ride back that was mildly mildly entertaining was The Meg. Oh, oh yes. uh, I, I, saw, I saw a few people around as yeah. I, on my own flight. I saw a few people around uh, or around me watching it, and then every once in a while, I'd like check out what's going on. Yeah, there. well, because so like Rain Wilson, like well, yeah, yeah, Rain Wilson <laughs> is in that film, and he yeah. plays you know like a capitalist mega rich guy that's funding this marine <laughs> biology like research station that's under the water mm, great and uh jason statham is you know the 
drunk superhero and he's drunk uh, he he is a, <laughs> he is a drunk because he oh. needs to make very hard decisions on sure. who to leave behind yeah. <laughs> to oh. die and who yeah. to save that's rough um, <laughs> lots of human emotion yeah <laughs> a lot of that and uh you know one-liners that he'll say with his nice. like gruffy voice and his like one big eye <laughs> um <laughs> and then, and then, um, I what I can only assume is that their production company was a Chinese company because the rest of the characters were Asian, oh, <laughs> were <okay>. Chinese, <laughs> um, and they, you know, they find a pocket underneath the lowest level in the sea, and it turns into another ecosystem of oh. of wildlife in the water or aqua life, of and. Um, they run into the Megalodon okay. and uh, it's just a gigantic shark mm-hmm. that's bigger than anything. Mm-hmm. And the Megalodon exists in this, only this area never come, comes out to the ocean because this area under the water is super warm. And so it's very nice for him. Oh, yeah. And then when they broke through the surface trying to get away from him, it kind of opened a tunnel or, or a channel <laughs> for him to come through. I mean, it's just like such an elaborate story. Yeah. Um, the, you know, c- CGI has come a long way. It, yeah. it, it looks looked pretty, you know, pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was entertaining, and that's yeah, really why I watched like the f- movies. They're just entertaining to watch. I'm curious why why they had to like. There's already a certain lo- level of escapism of, of just talking about the, the megalodon and mm-hmm. the in, so why do they have to come up with this whole plot of it's been like living in the second layer of the ocean? Why can't like I, I mean I'm already seeing the megalodon. Why do you have to explain to me why <laughs> why the megalodon is just now like well, couldn't it just it was the screenwriter has to do something yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the backstory of every every character? Yeah, it was very interesting. Did you regret seeing it on a on an airplane TV <laughs> screen? That does that does feel like you need to like that's like you, right. you need to really feel the mass of the megalodon and have it in three D. So you, it's coming at me. Would you see it again in on, uh, like on, on a TV or oh, something? No. Or something bigger than like a. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think the airplane screen size was the perfect size. <laughs> All right. For so uh, yeah, the Meg. I'm sure you can. You know, I'm sure if 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 you if you choose to watch it on, on on a big screen, if you're not taking a flight soon, check out the Ann Arbor District Library. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll have the have the Meg soon. I'm not, it's got to be coming out soon if it's not already out. I'm gonna check it out on Blu-ray. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so mine, mine. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of movies I could choose from. I saw 31 movies at Sundance. Um, at least in, in their completion. But one that really stuck out to me was this documentary called Apollo 11. And this was, uh, this was a, um, uh, as we, we come up to the 50th anniversary of the trip to the moon in July, uh, this documentary was made with archival footage of uh, that that has really just been sitting, as, if, at least the narrative that, 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 they're, that they're pushing for, for, for this movie is like, they shot all this footage on their on their trip to the moon, and then nothing was ever done with it. So they've they've restored it. They they, they I mean this is like this is like eight and sixteen millimeter, thirty five millimeter film that's just been sitting around, and they restored it, and they restored it in such a way that you you're watching it and you feel like this could have been filmed yesterday. It's wow. really that spectacular, and this is something. I mean, and you. you and the, the shots that they get are so impressive. Like they had, they had a. I don't even know what why they wanted to put a camera down there, but it's like there's like a shot at the the base of the rocket, 
uh, as it takes off. And it really it looks like it just like fries the camera mm-hmm. as soon as the rocket takes off. I don't know how they how the film survived in this, or or right. why they even put why they why they even would think to put a camera down there, but they did, and it looks spectacular. And it, and you, you get a lot of footage uh, of just you know Neil Armstrong, Buzz, and Michael just talking to the command center as uh, just like really nonsense talk you know like just like people like they're three guys that are hurling through space with nothing to do and of course uh, they're going to talk to the only people they have contact with it's just like just banter back and forth it's 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 really it's really kind of refreshing to see especially since you know first man came out uh last fall and uh ryan gosling definitely played a no-nonsense neil armstrong Mm. a guy that you know never really seemed to laugh and this is i'm not saying that it doesn't dis it, it doesn't Dis, uh, disprove that character of Neil Armstrong, but you do see a human side of him. You see, like a, you know, he was, he was, he was. They're, right. all, they're all, they're all. Well, they guys. were doing such an impossible, yeah, seemed impossible mission mm-hmm. that you know there was no guarantee they were gonna yeah. make it there alive yeah. or come back alive. Mm-hmm. So you gotta have a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that they would do that. Yeah, but um, did they say why no one has touched this footage in fifty years? Mm, I know, not, not that I know. I, I think it was just, you know, I, I think until now, it just it seemed uninteresting. Uninteresting, I would feel like. You know, it's just until like, as we hit the 50th anniversary, I guess, and it's uh, we're, we're reminded of it. Maybe, maybe people, I guess they decided that people do want to see Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin just kind of being guys. I mean, I guess, uh, and then I'm sure they've been working on it for a while, but I don't know. I don't know why this this footage has just been sitting around or why they've chosen to, to release it now. Mm-hmm. It sounds like yeah. a treasure. Like, I, I want to see more, uh, you know, landmark events in human history. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you have film footage of that, yeah. <laughs> it would seem like a slam dunk, right? Well, not to knock on scientists, but it it was stored in the NASA vault, and I'm not sure if people at NASA are like, this would make a great film. Yeah, right. guys. they're yeah. not hired for their cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's gorgeous, and uh, I suggest you see it on the biggest screen you can, mm-hmm. and I hope that we can make that happen for you. Yes. So, but uh, so keep a keep a lookout for that. Uh, so that about wraps up uh, our, this episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you both for for joining me here at the Ann Arbor District Library. Uh, we thank the Ann Arbor District Library for library for having us. Matt's in the booth. We thank him. Uh, you know, check out their website aadl.org. Uh, you can check out our website michtheater.org and as well as uh, statetheater2.org. Our social medias. You can find us there, Michigan State Theater. And I, I think you know where to find us. Send us an email btmpod at gmail.com. Uh, ask, send us your questions. Send us your movie magic moments. We just we'd love to hear from you. So uh, keep a lookout in your feed for our next episode. And thank you for joining us behind the marquee.